Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Elizabeth Dutton. Yes, Zarin Burnett. You know what's ridiculous? Yeah, I'll tell you what's ridiculous. There's a name for the wave-shaped blob of toothpaste on your toothbrush. Is it, is it, um, let me guess, Philip? Rhonda. It's Nerdle. Nerdle. A nerdle. So that, that shape, that like swoop uh-huh. that you see is called a nerdle? Yeah, I guess two of the companies were fighting it out over being able to use the striped little swoop oh, so of like toothpaste. like Aquafresh and, and Colgate sure. were battling and, okay. Yeah, and so a nerdle. Is, did the that word predate wars. the toothpaste? I don't know. Is it like a shape that was a... Don't know. Don't care. <laughs> Nerdle. Well, that's that's a pretty good one. I learned what a nerdle kind of is. Yeah, and it goes by the motto, don't know, don't care, nerdle. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that spirit, I've got <laughs> one for you. You ready? Yes. How about the story of a symphony violinist 
who becomes the target of a self-described high-end art thief, who has, as his heist partner, a Tupperware salesman and local barber named Universal Knowledge Allah. What? Wait, whoa. There's a lot going on in that description. Right? Wait, did you say Tupperware salesman? Yeah, so he was a Tupperware salesman. Well, Tupperware consultant, technically, is what he liked to go by. I feel like I'm and in for a, local a wild one today. Oh, yeah. And if, like me, when you heard the name Universal Knowledge Allah, you were wondering, <laughs> yes, he is. Now, <laughs> get ready for the art crime of the century of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wow. The story was sent to us, by the way, by a fan of the show, Thomas S., he sent an email to the ridiculous crime tip line, and Thomas S. suggested that we look into the story of the stolen Lipinski Stradivarius. Oh. Right? And I quote, I have a suggestion for a crime. It's probably one of the more recent ridiculous crimes that has happened in my hometown here, Milwaukee. Someone stole a 300-year-old Stradivarius violin, well, more like a violin jacked with a taser. Wow. Thanks for the tip, Thomas S. from Milwaukee. Thomas that's amazing. Okay, so Milwaukee barber named Universal Knowledge of Law, self-described high-end art thief, stolen Stradivarius. You ready? I'm so ready right Sit now. Sit back. We got a wild one. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Elizabeth, did you know Willie Nelson named his guitar after Roy Rogers' horse? No, I didn't know that. What's the trigger? Yeah, good one. There we go. Look at you. Look at me. Now, if you had to guess, how long do you think Willie Nelson has been playing the same guitar? Oh, man. A long time. He's got, he's worn holes in the front, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Probably hit a couple people with it over the years. <laughs> Get a little too close to the stage. Are those, are those holes um, for smoking out of? Yeah, he wants to be that able was to smoke. The, so he strummed the hole in. It's, that was a weak, weak Willie Nelson joke yeah, right there. We'll, we'll let it pass. Low-hanging fruit. <laughs> well, I'll let you know. Seven decades. Seven decades. Well, the better, you know, part of seven decades. Sure. He bought it in 1969. A drunk at a show was stumbling around and stepped on his old guitar, crushed it, completely just destroyed it, right? Uh -huh. So it was a company called a Baldwin guitar. I'm not sure if you know guitars. It was called a Baldwin. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So a couple of his band members tried to console him after he lost his Baldwin, and they took him down to this luthier, a very famous one, Shot Jackson. Now, Shot Jackson looked at the guitar and he's like, uh, nah, son, nothing I can do for you, Willie. That guitar is busted for good. You're going to need a new one. Now, Shot Jackson, he offered him a classical-style guitar. It was a Martin that he had in his shop. Like one of those nylon string, really nice classicals. Nice okay. Man. So Willie thanked him for it, and he's like, okay, Shot, get it in shape, and I'll come back and pick it up. Now, while he's out on the road, a few days later, he gets to thinking. He's like, huh. And he calls up Shot Jackson. He's like, Shot, can you uh, take the guts out of the old Baldwin and put them into the Martin? And I, But when I say guts, I mean like the pickups, the yeah. electronics of the guitar. Now... Willie, he takes this beautiful... But wait, this is an acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so he's really putting in pickups. pickups. Oh, inside. Yeah, inside, okay, yeah. yeah. There's like... Okay. 
Anyway, uh, <laughs> I wish I knew more to be able to explain like how the pickup situation works. Like I have all these friends who are musicians. No, I, I I'm you. embarrassed I that you. I can't say it, but I do know what a luthier is. So <laughs> we do have at least the right word. Okay, so a few days later, yeah, he said, you know, take out the guts from my Baldwin, put it into my Martin, and he basically merges his first guitar and his second guitar, and he turns it into this like super soulful, electric, classical beauty of guitar, right? Yeah. And he has kept that guitar for 53 years. Wait, did you say seven decades, though? Yeah, because 69, so 60s, 70s. 80s, 90s, early aughts, the teens, and now in the 20s, seven different decades. Oh. He's not had it through a full seven decades. He had it for seven decades. In seven different decades. In part of seven different decades. I know. I always had a hard time with that when people would say that because it sounds like way more time than it is. I think it's a way to exaggerate the amount of time. I just wanted to say for seven different decades, (laughs) he had this guitar. And uh, 53 years is the total. So if you're like a stickler on numbers, he's 53 years. He's had it for 53 years. years, and yet he's only 46. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, Figure that one clean out. Clean living. So uh, <laughs> the, my point is basically the musicians love their instruments. And this is something that I don't quite understand as a non-musician. Now, your brother, he's a musician. Yeah, he, he, he... Love up on his instruments? He wrote the guitar melody and played the theme song for this show. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah, he's very particular about his guitars. He loves them. Mm-hmm. He's lost some over the years. Then did he like mourn them? Is anything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like got stolen out of a car, so that was rough. Oh, okay. But okay. yeah, no, he's uh, he loves them. Yeah, no, I I uh, I can totally see that connection. Like, I don't feel that way about like a a, a laptop. You know, you know, like oh, this is my <laughs> writing instrument, and like, you don't have typewriters anymore as a writer for the most part, unless you're being precious. And so it's like you don't really have that attachment to an instrument. Well, and I think with a laptop, you know, it's not they, they don't each have their own sort of personality. So you could have like a couple different Macs, and it's basically the same thing going on. Mm-hmm. But with a musical instrument. There are just slight variations and little complexities that that make each one a little bit individual. Yeah, and there seems to be a relationship. And uh, you know this. I, I once interviewed Willie Nelson on his tour bus, and I got to ask him about Trigger. And he, he was telling me, basically, when he's up on stage, having Trigger there, it's like a, a partner for yeah. him. And so basically, when he messes up, he has Trigger there that kind of gives him this anchor. Uh, he said... Basically, and I quote, I just hope I remember Whiskey River. And if I forget the words, I can always just play an instrumental. That's where Trigger comes in. So he always has, like, Trigger to fall back on. It's yeah. like he's never alone when he has his guitar. Yeah. So I was, I was like, I don't know, I just like that, right? And now my next question for you yes. is, what do you know about Antonio Stradivarius? What do I know about Antonio Stradivarius? Made mm-hmm. violins, right? Yes, Ding. Yeah, okay. So do you know that like like they're the best violins, like one of yeah. the best musical instruments ever, right? Yeah. He made in his career 1,200 violins. Wow. Right now, there are about 650 of them that are left after all these centuries. Mm-hmm. But he didn't just make violins. He also made guitars. He made mandolins. He made violas. He made cellos. A lot of stringed instruments, right? Yeah. But the violins are what he's world famous for. So they're the one people try to collect because they're basically like a piece of art that you can play music on. Yeah. And just like a piece of art, they're worth insane amounts of money, right? So Stradivarius, born in the 1600s, lived till the 1737, and mad workaholic, right? Dude is just constantly making instruments. And to this day, no one knows what his secret is. 
They do not know why a Stradivarius violin is so special and why it has that unique sound. Hmm. Now, there's theories. Have you ever heard about this? No. So there's theories that it was the varnish. There's theories that it was these trees that uh, come from the Cremona region of Italy, but the trees are now extinct, so they can't really test that. Yeah, and there's also this Bosnian wood that they also believe. So there's all these ideas, these theories, right? I think it was his gentle kisses. That's the other theory is it was Stradivarius Mm -hmm. himself and his lips. Gentle kisses. No, but not actually his lips, but the idea is that he was able to— I didn't say lips. I said gentle kisses. Oh, like butterfly kisses? Just gentle kisses. (laughs) Go ahead. Okay. So, Stradivarius would impart, like, himself via his lips to these (laughs) violins. And he had, like, these skillful hands as a woodcarver and everything, right? Now— to the point that he was able to kind of, you know, get his soul into his yeah, instrument. Yeah, he's like imbuing it. It sounds like a like like water for chocolate. Much like situation. water for chocolate. That's I mean, how many times do I say to myself, you know what this reminds me of? It's like water for chocolate. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> so I'm right. You're hundred percent you don't see me arguing, do you? right. (laughs) So the violinist uh, Joshua Bell, he plays a Stradivarius. He's a professional concert-level violinist, very famous. He has uh, spoken about this connection that he feels with his Stradivarius, and I quote, the connection between violinist and violin, it becomes almost like your soulmate. Some people compare it to getting married. Finding the right instrument is probably harder than finding the right wife. Now, setting his casual sexism aside, <laughs> uh, there was also another fellow concert violinist, David Sarser, and he also plays a Stradivarius, a 1735 Stradivarius. And Sarser said, and once again, I quote, I have no desire to play any other instrument. It has become a part of me, and I became a part of it. Now, he said this after his Stradivarius was stolen. Oh, no. Yeah, so he lost a part of himself. Now, the haunting part is, like, he would see pictures of it posted from, like, in Japan. He's like, someone in Japan, can you go check on my Stradivarius? And people wouldn't help him, so he was never able to track it down. Why wouldn't anyone help him? Well, he didn't know anyone in Japan. I mean, he's just, like, shouting out. It's like if I said, hey, someone in Oklahoma, could you look for that car? No one's going (laughs) to respond, you know? So, anyway, I mean, obviously, he's, he was famous. So Weird. it wasn't quite as bad as me yelling for my car in Oklahoma, well, but you get the idea. Yeah. So these these Stradivarius violins, they're often a target for thieves, right? Now, in the last couple of decades, like, I think three decades, the FBI has tried to solve six different cases of stolen Stradivarius. Six? How many do you think they solved? I would say two. Well, not bad. Three. Oh. Yeah, they got, they got a half clearance rate on this. Okay. So... My favorite of all, I looked up a bunch of these stolen Strat stories. My uh-huh. favorite has to be the story of the Gibson. Oh. It's a 1713 Stradivarius. Now, of the 650 or so the remaining Stradivarius, they all have these provenance nicknames. Mm-hmm. And this one, violinist Bronislaw Huberman owned the Gibson, right? And it wasn't just stolen from him once, but Huberman got this violin ganked twice. Oh, unlucky. Yeah. The first time it's in his hotel room in Vienna. The next time, that was 1916, right? Uh-huh. Next time is in 1936. So 20 years later. he recovers it in the meantime. Yeah, it's just uh, very briefly stolen in the Vienna hotel room. A little quickie. The second time is in 1936. It's in his dressing room in Carnegie Hall. Now, oh, darn. He's on stage. He's uh, playing a, a different violin. Uh-huh. Right, and Huberman has been traveling around America, and he wants to raise money to found the Palestine Symphony Orchestra. Okay. So he's on the road in New York, and he's getting ready for his big engagement at Carnegie Hall. It's going to be a big breadwinner for him and his organization. It's February 1936, so it's wintertime. People have big coats and all that, right? And now he's playing a rehearsal for his night. Someone sneaks backstage and steals the Stradivarius. Oh, man. Yeah, poor Huberman, right? Huberman goes into a full-on meltdown. 
Now, this is the second time it's stolen. What's the likelihood that it would go get it back a second time? Probably not. Gonna... I'll just tell you zero. The chances yeah. are zero. Absolutely zero. He yeah. does not get it back. The Stradivarius goes missing for 50 years. 50 years? 50 years. So it, Huberman it, passed away in 1947, so oh, he never never sees it again. Puppy. But it is recovered in 1985. Oh, wow. Yeah, this jazz cat had been playing it the whole time. <laughs> was yeah. the jazz cat the one who stole it? No, his friend stole it and basically offered it to him for 100 bucks. Was he an animated jazz cat that tiptoed <laughs> into Carnegie Hall? This totally sounds like a Bugs Bunny episode. Yeah, I know. Right? Well, I, you know, when I say jazz cat, but he's... Uh, yeah, I know. So this dude, he's, like, he's basically, he covers it, the Stradivarius in black shoe polish. What? And he starts playing like, you know, two a nights in Harlem jazz clubs and like he's doing overnights in like Newark but he's playing weddings in Philadelphia. Whatever he's got to do, he's got this Stradivarius with black shoe polish that he's playing <laughs> the most amazing music from and everyone's just like, oh. On his deathbed, he feels like, I guess, guilty and he finally admits to his wife that his beloved violin is actually a Stradivarius. And she's like, wait, honey, what? <laughs> so yeah, and he's like, yeah, can you please like do the right thing? And his wife's like, how did you, where did you, when did we have money for a Stradivarius? And he's like, no, 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 I got, I got it for a hundred dollars. Remember Raymond? I got it for a hundred dollars back in the, she's like, okay. So she holds on to it for three years. I don't know what she's doing in that time, but it's for three years time. She goes to Lloyd's of London. She's like, here's the violin back. And they're like, man, lady, that is the most honest stuff we have ever seen as an insurance agent. Well, I mean, like, she's not going to be able to move it. Well, you could, I mean, she could try. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so they give her 236 thou as a finder's fee. Oh, well, that's not bad. Yeah, and it eventually gets sold at an auction for millions of dollars. And it's now owned by Joshua Bell. Oh, there he is. The thing that was e- harder to find than a good wife. Right. There it is. So so he's got multiple wives now. <laughs> I'm not going to get into the man's personal life. Now, I promised you a story of the crime of the century from Milwaukee. You did make that promise. And it includes a stolen Stradivarius a self-renowned art thief, and an amateur barber and Tupperware pusher named Universal Knowledge Allah, or Uni to his friends. Now that we've familiarized ourselves with Stradivariuses, understand how people can get these obsessions, I will introduce you to the curious story of the theft of the Lipinski after this break. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60 day money back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. 
There's no safe like Simply Safe. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Elizabeth. Zarin. It was a dark and stormy night in old ice tray cold Wisconsin. That sounds chilly. <laughs> now, when I say cold, I mean like, I mean it was cold. I mean, this night was so cold. It was, how cold was it? I'm glad you asked, Burnett. <laughs> it was colder than a polar bear's toenails, as my favorite AT aliens would say. The night was January 27th. The year was 2014. That's when everything changed for Frank Allman, violinist and resident concertmaster. Do you know what a concertmaster is, by the way? Uh, master of Concerts. Oh, very good. Okay, then I don't have to explain it. Yeah, perfect. So that night, Allman was leading a quartet at Wisconsin Lutheran College, right? His foursome had played the Quartet for the End of Time by Olivier Messier-Ain. It's an emotionally wrenching piece. Imagine the audience sits in silence for about 20 seconds when they're done. That's how emotionally they're drained they are. And then when that 20-second pause is done, they erupt into applause. Wow. Right? Yeah. So this guy's just experienced... And a beautiful, amazing, like moving night. And he was the one who was like both the concert master and one of the performers. So he's just buzzing off this, Yeah, right? sure. Okay, so that's where his head is at, okay? Now, after all this, he goes and he walks out into that six degrees below zero. And, you know, he's worried about his instrument, right? Because uh, you can basically denature and harm one of these instruments are so fine the wood is so brittle and so forth so he and another musician this is about 10 p.m a little bit after the reception everyone is gone the parking lot is pretty much empty the musicians are leaving they have a plan to meet at a restaurant later two of them he and the clarinetist are walking out into the parking lot Mm -hmm. now i want you to picture it yes Almond and the clarinetist are walking to their cars together, right? The pianist and the cellist from the quartet have a plan to meet them, as I told you, at a restaurant. Almond carries the Lipinski in its case, slung over his shoulder. It sees a little worried about that severe cold. Now, as he approaches his car, he spots this minivan idling in the parking lot, parked right next to his car mm. in an empty parking lot. 
Suspicious. That's the kind of thing that you they were trained as women to be like, I'm not going near my car right now. Yeah, and it's idling. Yeah, no. <laughs> so Almond no bueno. later recalls, and I quote, I sort of walked briskly to my car, and I noticed an unusual Scooby-Doo-looking van backed in next to my car, and it was running. Wait, Scooby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Scooby Doo looking whatever. So there's uh, there's a woman slouched in the driver's seat. She's wearing a parka, and on her head is a big furry hat. And the way he describes it, it sounds like a, like a furry cake box, just kind of balanced on top of her head. <laughs> now Almond is almost to his car when he also spies this man walking at him fast, okay, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, and the man's wearing a heavy winter coat and a hat with ear flips, or you know, flipped up Flippity ears. Flippity flaps. Right, exactly. Now, I for think some the, reason, he's really into the hat wear. The professional terms flippity flaps. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. I, I really appreciate you, you insiders, allowing us yeah. outsiders to understand how I'm, the fashion stuff works. I like works. precision in language. Yeah. No. So the flippity flaps mm-hmm. that he were on his hat were something that caught the attention of uh, Frank Almond. Right. Now he probably should have been paying more attention to the man's eyes and the something in his hand. Right. So the guy is coming at him, and they're, I told you, they're in this parking lot. It's completely empty, right? The only other musician is, like, over by his car. He's, like, hanging out near a Chevy Volt. And, yeah, so there's a Scooby-Doo-looking van, his car, Frank Allman's car, and a Chevy Volt. It's a murderer's row. <laughs> <in this> exactly. <laughs> so Frank Allman was thinking as he's looking at this dude walking at him fast, quote, I thought, why is he getting closer, and why is he trying to take my picture? Oh, bless. Yes, I love a concert master. Yeah, he's just riding the high of that <laughs> exactly. show. And then, you know, you know how classical music groupies are. <laughs> why is this guy trying to push up on me right mm-hmm. now? I just need to get to Denny's and chill. I mean, why you got to be like this? Get off my jock, son. Denny's and chill. It's the <laughs> best. So he's all, hey girl. <laughs> Almond turns out to be sadly mistaken. The man did not want to get on his jock or to take his picture. The flash that he suddenly sees coming is from the taser that the strange man pulled what? out and <laughs> flashes him with, right? So not a fan? Not a fan. <laughs> he goes, a very sh- jarring electric shock is how Almond remembers it later. He, he said that he was a uh, quote, it's like when you get hit with 50,000 volts or so, I suppose. I just love I the idea. Yeah, like this dude's like an expert on, hey, Frank, is this 50,000 volts, 30,000 volts? What do you think? <laughs> well, it's also when he adds, I suppose, it's sort of like, it's like getting hit with 50,000 volts. Not that I know what that's like, guys. Yeah, I'm not sitting at home with a generator and some salt water yelling at an intern, crank it up! <laughs> never, that's not what I'm doing I don't on know weekends. anything about that, but I mean, like, I guess if I were to have to think about it. <laughs> Well, this taser, it does its trick on old Frank Allman. He gets shocked, literally, figuratively. He shrieks, <laughs> slumps to the ground, incapacitated, right? He's like, ah! And then plunk, right? And so now he's sitting there. Stranger just reaches down, plink, grabs the strat off of his shoulder, runs over to the Scooby-Doo-looking van, and <laughs> jumps in. The stranger and the Scooby-Doo-looking van tear out of the parking lot, or more likely go putt, 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 putting away. <laughs> With clouds of, yeah, exactly. clouds of Scooby snack smoke. <laughs> Coming out of the back. <laughs> Purple and green. <laughs> so the clarinetist, by the way, I told you, was in this parking lot. He's over there standing at his Chevy Volt. And he watches when Almond is shouting, ah, 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 right, getting shocked. And he, he looks up and he's like, oh, oh. And he, he says he basically just stands there frozen. And he watches the guy get in the minivan and then the Scooby-Doo minivan puttering out of the parking lot. And then he runs over 
And then he's like, Todd, 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 they got me. They got the violin. That's what Almond was shouting. And then Todd, the clarinetist, runs over and he's like, oh, they got the violin. And so he's like, let me call 911. And he calls 911. And Frank Almond's like just freaking out. He just starts falling apart like, you know, they stole a part of himself. Did he call 911 by pulling the clarinet out and just like... <laughs> like issuing a call forth into the night and then like local cops down the street hear it and they're like, oh snap, it's uh what is it? Todd. Todd, yeah, Todd the clarinetist. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. maybe I think that's what like, happened. Blowing it like the shofar, just like <laughs> I I don't quite know that wasn't in any of the stories I read, but no, uh, I think it's safe to assume. It's possible, yeah. I'm gonna say it's a possibility. Yeah. So uh Meanwhile, there's Frank Allman. He's just like sitting there freezing in his light jacket and muttering to himself, this is my worst nightmare. This is my worst nightmare. Right? Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a tough one And he's for only him. wearing a light jacket? Oh, yeah, because he thought he was just walking to his car and then going over to Denny's or whatever. He was just wearing a windbreaker. Yeah. He, he thought he was only going to have to break just, wind. <laughs> I'm going to give you that one. Thank you. So five minutes later, the Milwaukee cops arrive. Right. Yeah. Now these are just basically Milwaukee, you know, beat cops or patrol patrolmen. All right. They're not like the FBI art crime team. They do not understand what is going on when they arrive. Okay. So they just see these two musicians huddled like in a parking lot, going, "My violin was taken." Yeah. Right? And they're like, "Oh man, that sucks." So like, do you want like four hundred dollars? Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you probably call your insurance. They'll they'll handle this. And well, uh, it's not like it's not like Milwaukee is a hotbed of high-end musical instrument crime. No, so I don't think so. you roll so. up on that parking lot, and you're like, all right, who are these two goofs? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, all right, okay, do we need EMS? Like, you know, once that's ruled out. Mm-hmm, yeah, like nobody's bleeding, so it's, it looks like no harm. We're going to, you know, take the report, Yeah. and then you guys take this to your insurance, and they'll handle yeah, exactly. that. exactly. Well, it turns out the Lipinski is valued at uh, between 5 and $6 million. Stop. Yeah. Five and six million dollars. Yeah. The cops continued to not understand this, even when they tried to explain the value of like how they just like that. That couldn't be right. That's just come on. Like, okay, buddy. Yeah. Five I and know. Six million. It's invaluable I'm to sure. you. Yeah. Okay. Would your mom make it? So the clarinetist, he gets, the, you know, he's like uh, really frustrated. Todd, the clarinetist, he's like, this is this is just not right. So he goes and leans on his Chevy Volt and he calls. I love that you keep pointing out it's a Chevy Volt. me every time I love it. So he goes and he calls the orchestra's development director, right? Mm-hmm. And then this leads to a daisy chain of phone calls, right? He gets to the orchestra board, uh, like the, basically one of the board members of the orchestra. Mm-hmm. He's in South Carolina at the time on a golf trip. Eventually, this daisy chain eventually gets to him. He is friends with the chief of police. So at 1230 on that Monday night, he calls the chief of police and is like, you've got to handle this, right? The chief of police is like, oh, the chief of police is cultured. He knows what the Stradivarius means. He knows this is going to be like national news, right? So he immediately wants his guys on it. Todd is clutch. Can we talk about that? Like, Todd's amazing. The idea that he's going to talk to the development director first, that's the money ma- That's the money raiser. Yep. Like, that's who's going to... Yep. Good Todd. read. Yeah, smart job, Todd. Well done, Todd. So this sergeant on the scene, he gets a call from the chief of police, right? And mm-hmm. the call from what I've read apparently goes like this. Sarge, Chief Flynn. Uh, <laughs> really? What do you got? Uh, I got I got a um, I got a guy here. Somebody robbed his violin. Listen to me very carefully. This is not a violin. This is an effing multi-million dollar musical instrument. Call the cavalry. Now, the only the thing is the chief of police did not say effing. I said yeah. effing for any small ears in the room. But <laughs> my, being, my small ears. Yes, I didn't want you to have to I've listen never, to that. I've never heard a bad word in my life, and I've never said a bad word. 
No, just good words. All good words from you. They're all good. I love that. <laughs> the ones the I say words. are pretty good. <laughs> so this chief of police, he, he gets the uh, fire lit under the beat patrol cops, right? And now they know the stolen violin. It's not just a violin. It is a Stradivarius, right? When I told you the Stradivarius, it's called the Lipinski Stradivarius. Yeah. The, the Lipinski is for the original owner. That the, ice skater? Yeah, Kara Lipinski. She was the no. <laughs> it was actually very close though. It was Carol Lipinski. Okay. I'm violinist. Yeah, Polish violinist Carol Lipinski with a K. Yeah. And so it was eventually then moved on as all great art does over the centuries. Goes to Giuseppe Tartini. He mm-hmm. was also a composer and a virtuoso. So that gave it even greater provenance. This would be like, you know, not quite Verde, but like that where it's like, oh, this is, you know, okay, you get the yeah, idea. Yeah. By 2008, it's now fallen to local ownership. It's in Milwaukee. It's in a bank vault in storage. Person dies. It gets passed on to another family member in the will. Mm-hmm. So they take control of the Stradivarius. They give it to this dude, Stefan Hirsch. is in Chicago. He's uh, basically a refurbisher for violins, a refurbisher of Luthier. Okay. And uh, that's when the Lipinski is given to Frank Almond. Mm. Okay? And now this Lipinski is gone. Wow. You really feel for Frank. I respect that about you. I do. I'm yeah. still just trying to figure out who owns it at this point. Did Frank? Frank didn't so, buy no, a $5 no, million. No, no. It's loaned to Frank by this owner. By whom? The family member in Milwaukee who's unknown. It's an anonymous family member for this. This rich guy basically dies and gives it to a family member. And mm-hmm. then they All loan right, it. I'll allow it. They loan it to Frank Almond. So really, he's out of being able to play the instrument. Yeah, it's not but, even the ownership. You know, it's not that he's like, I'm losing this value. Yeah, but if someone loans you something worth $5 million, you're mm-hmm. going to feel terrible if you lose it. Aside from the fact that he has become one with his violin. Yeah, I think it's more about that. I mean, I don't yeah. even think that he's even thought about the $5 million aspect. I mean, I don't know. I'm not Frank Allman. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what anyone tells you, <laughs> Good I'm point. Not Frank I forgot Allman. about that. <laughs> so it doesn't take the Milwaukee police long to discover the abandoned violin case. It's been tossed on the side of the road, right? The violin. Oh, just the case? Is missing. It's absent. <laughs> it's just the case. I don't like that. So the Milwaukee PD are like, oh, look, we're in over our heads. We're going to have to call the FBI art crime team. Those guys are amazing. Right? <laughs> they're fun. I've interviewed some people. Oh, you have? Oh, yeah. They're really that's cool. Funny. The only real clue that they had to give the FBI was the taser. Huh. Yeah. Now, did you know that tasers fire a cloud of evidence anytime you use them? No. I, I did not know, know this either. Yeah. So the FBI said the taser gave them, quote, invaluable information. And what they mean by this is the confetti that it fires that has serial numbers written on every single piece of confetti. I didn't know that tasers fire confetti when you shoot them. That's um, We're learning amazing. so much. Yeah. That is so it's festive. It's the fun stun gun. That is that is the biggest party. I love that. <laughs> Let's get some tasers for the weekend. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, you're in this situation where you got to tase someone and mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable for both parties. It's awkward, yeah. Let's lighten it up a bit. How like, do you make that mood more fun? Hey, happy fun new fetty. year. <laughs> you oh, get a boy. shock and a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so the FBI, they all they have to do is they go out and they collect some of this uh, confetti from the scene. They immediately now know who the distributor was. They contact the distributor, and then the distributor in down in Texas tells them, "Oh yes, we have the owner of record right here. Apparently, his name is Universal Knowledge Allah." Okay, hold on a second. Yes, his name is Universal Knowledge Allah. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. I just needed to establish that. Well. Yes. As you see, you and the FBI had that same hesitation. The FBI uh, police captain, Jeff Point, he was convinced it was a fake. He was like, who's going to name their baby Universal Knowledge Allah? 
Somebody. No, I mean, he could have changed his name. Cops, they have a failure of imagination that sometimes. That is true. That's true. Now, if you were to name a baby, you know, some unexpected name, we'll say, <laughs> what would you go with? Well, we know that my favorite alias is Regina Corntower. Of course. So I think Baby Gina. Baby Gina. <laughs> Baby Gina Corntower. Yeah. And then her little brother, Dingus. Dingus Corntower. Dingus Corntower. <laughs> I just want to set these kids up for success. You, I want something that's going to look good on a resume. Something's going to stand out. Something's going to call attention to itself. Something that says, I'm the boss here, and ma'am, this is an Arby's. <laughs> now, my man, Universal Knowledge of Law, the Vanity Fair wrote about this case. I recommend the article. They described him in, I think, probably a really beautiful term. Quote, and he was an affable barber and Tupperware consultant. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, give me a second. An affable barber and Tupperware consultant (laughs) hoping to crack the middle-aged housewife party market. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how can you, that's the best thing you can say, Can I steal that for all my future bios? (laughs) Just remember, so my man, Uni, or, you know, Universal Knowledge Allah, the FBI has been able to now finally to track him down because of this funfetti that's been fired by this, this... the taser, okay? Just chunks of cake. <laughs> now, the better part is, even though they have all that, it's the Milwaukee police who managed to somehow stumble into solving this crime without using that information. Nice, nice. You know what? Good old-fashioned shoe leather. Yes, exactly. We'll be right back after this break, and I will tell you how the Milwaukee PD got the jump on the FBI in the case of the Universal Knowledge of Law stun gun. Something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Okay, Elizabeth, we're back. Now, I told you the FBI had figured out that their man that they needed to find was universal knowledge of law. Mm -hmm. And I said the Milwaukee PD also found their way to universal knowledge of law. So how did the Milwaukee PD get there? I don't know. Shoe leather. Not really, no. They just happened (laughs) to be in the right place at the right time. So it was almost through no effort of their own. Yeah, nothing. They just got lucky, basically. Okay. I'll tell you in a sec. February 2nd. Five days after the robbery, right? Yeah. Things like, there's pressure. The national news is now starting to talk about it. The story's going international. So there's like, you know, pressure from up top. You guys got to do something. So people are like, not like beating the pavement. I don't know, whatever. Maybe they are. But this one cop, he's a off-duty Milwaukee cop, Gerardo Orozco, right? And he's sitting in a barbershop on a Sunday. And someone comes up to him like, hey, man, you're a cop, right? He's like, yeah, wait, wait, what are you talking about? I know where that stolen strat is. And he yeah. opens up a giant Tupperware. <laughs> A big violin Tupperware case. Are you interested in multiple container storage? Because I have this beautiful set. He has a Tupperware violin case. (laughs) (laughs) He's ordered away already. Yeah, he has. Well, you know, uh, it was not actually Universal Knowledge of Law who came up to him with this information. It was a snitch who decided, you know, I'm going to go see if I can make some money off of what I happen to know. Global Knowledge of Law. (laughs) <laughs> just keeps getting smaller. <laughs> this dude that Orozco's known for a couple of years comes up and he's like, hey, man, I know where that violin is at. You know, of course, the cop wants to know more. So he's like, well, yeah, well, what do you got? So he's like, hey, snitch, you want to step outside? And the snitch is like, yeah, bet. So they go out and there he's like, look, man, on Saturday, yesterday, I was at a barbershop called First Impressions over on MLK because, of course, he was at a barbershop on MLK. That's where the snitch gets his hair cut the day before, by universal knowledge of law. Oh, right? at and, first impressions. At first impressions, yeah. So he's like, on this, on that Saturday, the TV was on, man, and the, the news mentioned that stolen Strat. Now everyone in the shop starts talking, I'm like, yo, man, that's a stupid-ish to take, because, like, how are you going to sell that? What, what kind of dumb bunny's going to go in there and try to sell a stolen Strat around here? Nobody's going to buy it. We don't know anybody's going to buy a Strat, right? So everyone's pretty much figuring it's not hard to steal the Strat. It's hard to move oh, the completely, Strat. Oh, completely, completely. Right? So they're all on this, and... One of them knows that he's involved in the crime, and he's just sitting there. Yeah, man, that's that's right. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know, know why. but if you're like really smart, you could probably do it. I mean, maybe somebody was like super. Really, you guys don't even know how smart you have to be. I'm like, I mean, you may even know somebody who's that smart, and you don't even know that you know that. I mean, it could be hiding in a Tupperware. I mean, it could container. be like in this room, and we wouldn't know. <laughs> So the the barbershop is not actually the hiding place for the strat, but they're getting to talking about how, you know, stealing it and it's not going to be easy and how you're going to move it and everything. So a bunch of people are like, basically, you got to have your buyer lined up. And so the snitch is like 
telling this story to Roscoe. Roscoe's like, okay, okay, yeah, but what do you know about it? And he's like, oh, okay, okay. All right, well, this is the part you probably want to know, see? I got a ride home with universal knowledge of law, right? So I, un, Universal cuts mm-hmm. his hair. Cuts his hair. And they, then it's like, you need a ride? No, he was like, he actually asked Universal Knowledge all. He's like, hey, man, do you mind giving me a ride back to my place? Because he was about to leave the shop. And so he's oh, like, okay. what are you leaving? Do you mind taking me? Because they knew each other. They grew up together. They had known each other since high school. Got so they're it. like okay. old friends. And Got so, it. So it's not just him getting his hair cut from some random like, hey, Barbara, guy. do you want to just go home? Like, why don't we a- see where this goes? <laughs> So, do you want to come in for coffee? Yeah, like, why are you touching my head? This feels really like we've done something here. Something special. So, mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, universal knowledge all is like, all right, you want to ride home? Bet. Let's go. So, he goes and he, like, he's going to like, you know, I don't know. They have to go across town. I actually don't know how far, but they're going for a little bit of, of a drive because it's enough for them to have a conversation. So, the snitch is like, yo, Uni, man, you were saying something about there inside of a barbershop about you kind of, it kind of sounded like you knew something about the strat. And the universal knowledge of law is like, yeah, man, actually, I do. I know who stole it. He's like, wait, what? And the snitch, you know, he hears money in the air because everything he's saying now is like, oh, I can sell this to the cops. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, go on, man. Like, what, what, who, who could it be that do we both know this person? You know, and so <laughs> Universal Knowledge of Law is like, yeah, man, you know that brother Salah? And the snitch is like, Oh, word, yeah. What's his last name again? was <laughs> 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 like, man, yeah. So he's telling me, yeah, you know, Salah Saladin, you know him. And he's like, right, right, yeah, Salah Saladin. What's his apartment number again? <laughs> so, anyway, the universal knowledge of law apparently doesn't catch up that the snitches is basically clocking everything he's saying. So they're driving around, and Yuni's like still trusting the snitch, not noticing that the snitch is basically listening in a way that is, you know, clear he's clocking every bit of information he can. And Uni tells him, like, oh, man, you got to understand, Salah, he searched and researched everything you'd need to know about how to steal a strap, man. He had all the angles figured out. Like when he robbed that concertmaster musician the night of the show, after his show, Salah, man, quote, and I quote him, he, yeah. he used the electric, not the heat. I just love that expression. He's he electric, the, not the heat. Oh, what he so means he is the taser instead of using a gun, right? So wow. they, he's of the opinion this is smart because it means he's not going to get a, an enhanced charge if he does get caught. <laughs> so, well. you know. Now, the one thing that Uni doesn't know is he's got problems because the taser is the evidence in this crime, and his name is on the receipt. So... Basically, yeah. yeah, exactly. He's basically talking about his future coming to a real dark end real fast. And the thief uh, who had asked him to buy it, Salah, he couldn't buy it himself because he already had a record. So that's why he had to come and ask Uni to do it. And universal knowledge, Allah, he wasn't personally involved in the crime. He wasn't benefiting from the crime, but he was very much at the center of the crime, mm-hmm. right? So everything he's telling the snitch is basically he's he's pinning himself. Yeah. He doesn't know it, though. Yeah. So, also, there's the other key fact is Salah, called him the night of the robbery. So there's also records of him, like, right after the crime, he called to check in, like, man, right. I, I got the instrument. So oh, that doesn't help either, right? So yeah. anyway, Universal Knowledge of Law, he gets uh, you know, back to the snitch's place, drops him off. The snitch immediately goes to the Milwaukee police. It's like he hits snitch lottery. He's <laughs> like, oh, man. He goes, he calls up the police, and then this uh, he finds Officer Orozco the next day, and he goes, man, here, I want to tell you what I know. And he tells him everything, what he heard in the barbershop the day before, and then what he heard on the ride. 
So Officer Orozco contacts Milwaukee police. You know, he has an officer. He contacts the detectives. The detectives are like, wait, what? And then they now they got like a super solid lead. So they go right over and they talk to the snitch. And they ask him to identify. He's like, who do you think stole the Lipinski Strat? Could you point at this man? He's like, that's him. Salah Saladin right there. And so he picks him out of like a photo lineup. Oh, wow. So now they have an ID. So that's pretty much, as you know, everything that they need for like search yeah, warrants and everything. Yeah. So the next day, February 3rd, Milwaukee police show up at Universal Knowledge of Law's apartment with a search warrant. Ding, ding, oh, ding. Oh, boy. Right? And the search warrant, the cops use to enter the place. They start going through all the stuff. They find a three fifty seven revolver. The heat. The heat. And mentioned, the aforementioned heat. They also find, I liked this little detail, in a box of Applejack cereal was a digital scale and 27 grams of pot. <laughs> God, the details in here, the Chevy Volt, the yeah. Apple Jacks. The cereal. Apple Jacks pot stash. <laughs> then he had a, but he also had a laundry basket with 18 other grams of pot just oh. in baggies. So all told, the cops found about 45 grams uh, conversion rate. That's about an ounce and a half. Yeah, I was going to say. So it's not like he's a big pusher. No, no I'm thinking <laughs> of my kitchen scale and when I'm measuring out flour for bread and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not a lot. That's not a lot of it? Yeah, exactly. He hasn't well, even hit a cup at that point. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that the cops do not find, a stolen Stradivarius. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, no, the universal knowledge of law, he knows they got him on the taser because they just basically say, Look, man, here. And they tell him why with the search warrant. He's like, Okay. So he cops to that on the spot. He's mm-hmm. like, Yeah, that's me. And he confirms everything that the snitch said. And they're like, Yeah, we, this guy said this and then this. He's like, Yeah, I said that. Yeah, I said that. He just goes down oh, the line. Wow. And they're like, Okay. So he's arrested. And he's like, He tells him, Look, I've known Salah for about seven years. About seven months ago, he came to me and he said, I want you to buy a taser. And I said, All right, you got the money? Bet. And he's like, Okay. So now he's got the that's- FBI at his door. Because this is what happens when you do a favor for a friend. This is a this is a life tip. If someone asks you to purchase a weapon mm-hmm. in a legitimate manner for them because they can't, don't don't do that. Just don't do it. Don't do that. <laughs> That's just my just That's like good if, good life tip. If someone comes to you with a package and says, "Can you hide this in your house?" Mm-hmm. You say yes for how long? You no. got to really think about that answer because if you're like universal knowledge, he's, mm-hmm. he's chatting it up to people. Yeah, he's a very trusting guy, no, seems. He, he seems like a very open Tupperware salesman. <laughs> if so, if he came to me with a Tupperware and said, can you hide this in your house and it was full of hair clippings, I'd say sure, but I'm never going to tell a soul about it. Full of hair clippings? He's a barber. Do you think he keeps the hair? Don't they, don't, they don't keep the hair. They don't keep the hair and No, that's not it. why they barber. I thought they all... I thought every hairdresser kept the hair and ate it. No, they're it. not like farmers. They don't harvest the they hair. They don't put it into pillows no. and eat it. The only people, like, I guess those Elvis's barber, he tried to sell, like, a bunch of his hair. He, like, swept off, off, they off don't, the floor. They burn the hair for warmth. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's whole hunter-gatherer thing. It's cold there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Milwaukee police now, after contacting Universal Knowledge of Law, they go beeline right over to Salah Saladin's house. Mm-hmm. They have a search warrant, actually, apartment. And they have a search warrant for his place as well. So on that same day, February 3rd, the cops go from Universal Knowledge of Law over to Salah Saladin's house, and Salah Saladin is also expecting them. So he just just sitting there, and when the cops show up, he, like, Playing in, the he just like introduces them to his place. Please come in. Would you like some? And uh, he's just like some apple jacks. Yeah, <laughs> some apple juice. Apple wink, jacks. Wink. What would you like? Huh? <laughs> so he the cops search, and what they do find that's basically incriminating for old Salah Saladin is a binder with color copies of newspaper articles and clippings <laughs> of various art crimes of the world history. Wait, he had it. He had like laminated things. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you'd like 
that. All I color love coordinated. That so much. Various ones. Like he had like his section on Stradivarius thefts. He had his section on other art crime thefts. And then I 100% would do that if I were. Oh, I know. Yeah, you would like have that. a very organized oh, uh, yeah. research binder for your crimes. Yeah, totally. He also had a uh, black business card, and on the back he had a little note that said Taser.com, 500 to $1,000. <laughs> Taser.com. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's when he was probably talking to Universal Knowledge of Law, and he's like, oh, I need to go to Taser.com, 500 to 1000 Got it. I'll, 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 I'll see you next Saturday. Oh, my goodness. So the, uh, the evidence, all these Criminals are just leaving around, like, you know, funfetti, business cards, <laughs> notes on the back, color-coded binders. It's like it, the taser shoots out confetti and mini M&Ms. <laughs> it's like, can you imagine if you're like a Hollywood set decorator or screenwriter? You're like, I can never get away with this. Like, <laughs> what the hell? That's why they don't do it. It's like a pinata of pain. Yeah, pinata of pain and evidence. The uh, There was a detective named Billy Ball, because, of course, there's a detective sure. named Billy Ball. And he's the one who interviews the suspect, Salah. And Salah confidently tells the cops that, you know, as I said, he'd expected them to come. He said, and I quote, mm-hmm. I figured you guys would be coming. Detective Billy Ball's like, why? <laughs> Salah expanded, because of my reputation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what reputation? The detective asked him, right? <laughs> and he's like, my reputation as a high-end art thief? Salah explained. <laughs> He's like Milwaukee's most popular art thief. Like, you've probably heard of me. I'm kind of a big deal in the art crime area. He's an art thief influencer. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an emerging art thief in the <laughs> Milwaukee area. <laughs> so anyway, he gets arrested. So now Salah is like uh, the, the the whole ring has been popped. Salah, yeah, Salah, yeah. Salah, right? The only one that we don't have is the driver of the Scooby Doo minivan. Oh yeah, the gal. Huh? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to her. Velma. Yeah, yeah, she's still out there wrecking mayhem. But uh, the other thing we don't have is the Stradivarius. It's not at his place either. Oh, yeah, right. He it's has in a, the van. Well, yeah. possibly. Okay. But uh, the one good news is Salah tells him that he hasn't sold it yet. Oh, so he's like, I'm not going to tell you where it is, mm-hmm. but I haven't sold it yet. Yeah, he wouldn't tell him where it is. Like, but oh, let's play what? a little cat and mouse game. How about te- that? Teasing little minx. <laughs> yeah, he's like writing dialogue for his own screenplay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> imagining the, the movie they're going to make of his life. He's like, it'll, it'll be a great line for me. And it just, he just says it. Tough guy. Yeah. Real tough guy. Oh, by the way, I haven't told you how old he is. He's a 42 year old man. Okay. He, you know, the self described high end art thief. Yeah. He's single and looking to mingle. <laughs> and he's also, he apparently dresses like, a poetry professor at a junior college. Oh, wait, like, okay. Oh, oh. Kind of a tweedy look for him yeah. in the Milwaukee area. And uh, he was just loving every minute of his arrest. You know? I'm loving every minute of his arrest. <laughs> He's been busted once before. So he was through. Busted for what? Well, that guy you asked. Okay. It wasn't a cat burglar job. It wasn't like even a smash and grab at a jewelry store. Can you guess what it was? Was it something super mundane? Yeah, good guess. <laughs> You're on the right track. Did he did he have fake um, Walmart gift cards? No, he oh. stole a, a statue from a gallery. He just walked into a gallery, swiped his <laughs> statue. Then he held on to it for a while until there was like a, enough time to pass. And then he went back and he tried to get a finder's fee for the statue. Stop. <laughs> so the art gallery owner just called the police on him. <laughs> By the way, the statue is only worth $25,000. Only? So, that's well, a but the finder's fee is like going to be 10% generally. So that's 10% so he's holding more than he had. for $2,500, right? It's $2,500 more than he had when he walked into that museum. That's a good point. That's a really good point. You I don't know. know. You see, you're that's, the criminal mastermind in this situation. That's pure profit, baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it wrong. I'm looking at it like effort, labor. In the, in the biz, we call like, that pure profit. That's just a come up right there in the biz. 
telling you. I'm so glad all these indi- industry insider terms you're familiarizing me with I'm just going to, you know what, for just for today, mm-hmm. I'm opening the doors. Yeah. I'm letting you see how the sausage opening is Opening the doors. You threw open the windows, too. Yeah. I see in the whole inside of the house. Yeah. Look how you all live. <laughs> now, as I told you, Sly got busted, right? So he confessed to the police, and I was like, oh, yeah. When I was inside, I was dreaming about my next art crime, and I was going to steal the Lipinski. And he decided, <laughs> so he starts, like, fixating on it. And the Milwaukee uh, Journal Sentinel, they'd published a story in 2008 about the Lipinski and it being, like, given to Frank Allman, like, when it got passed and refurbished. Every time you say Frank Allman, I think of, it sounds like Allman Brothers, like a different <laughs> spelling, but go ahead. I'll try to enunciate better. <laughs> so Frank Almond, he... Uh, <laughs> He became this fixation when Salah Saladin gets out of jail. He becomes a fixation because he's decided while he was behind bars, I'm going to steal the Lipinski, right? So yeah. he then starts following Frank Almond around. He knows what stores he shops in. He knows what car he drives. He knows where he lives. He knows, like, even his kids' names, his wife's names. It's like, that's scary. Deep. Oh, yeah. He goes to one of his performances. He makes note, and he's like, I was the only black face in there. I'm like, it's Milwaukee, classical music. I'm not surprised. <laughs> but I, I've, I've been there, bro. I know how it goes. <laughs> you just want to go and see Fidelio, and all of a sudden you're just with the silver hairs. But anyway, so Salah, he finally manages to find somebody who's willing to help him with his heist. And then this is where his man, Universal Knowledge Allah, comes in when he says, yo, man, I'll, I'll buy you a taser because that's the last piece he needs because mm-hmm. he can't get it on his own, right? So... He tells the police this. He's like, yeah, man, so I tell my barb I need to, I'm going to rob the local concertmaster for Stradivarius. And the police were like, uh-huh, go on. And he's like, yeah, and so then Uni tells me to meet him at his barbershop with the money, and he can make it happen. So he totally implicates universal knowledge a lot, like the worst possible partner for a heist. Right. So the district attorney's office, based on this information, they're like, okay, so I will offer you a plea deal. And he's, and he's like, but only if you tell us where the Stradivarius is. That's our condition for the plea deal. And you also have to plead guilty. And he's like, I don't know about that. You send well, it over. Well, that's a plea deal. I mean, yeah. yeah. He's like, you send it over to me on paper, and uh, I'll consider it. And they're like, okay. So he was also really counting on that taser not being an enhanced charge. It turns out that actually is armed robbery. So they're like, we'll knock your armed robbery down to just robbery. And he's like, okay, bet. <laughs> it's like Milwaukee law and order. We'll knock your armed robbery down to kind of armed. <laughs> Barely armed. Barely armed. Just angry robbery. <laughs> Aggressive robbery. So during one of his interrogations with the police, Salah tells the local Milwaukee police, he's like, they're asking him, like, where were you going to get rid of the strap, man? Like, what was your whole plan? He's oh, quote, an Asian crime syndicate. That was his answer. They're like, what That's do you like mean? That's like the Asian full stop. That's syndicate? all he is. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I was working with this Asian syndicate, man, numerous times. You, you probably don't even know these dudes. You know, they're just, they're in the Chicago area. So he, he blames it on this Asian crime syndicate working out of the Chicago area that he was going to sell the stolen Stradivarius to. But then he had a change of heart. He's just like, you know what? Forget Chicago and the Asian crime syndicate. They don't deserve the Stradivarius. The Lipinski is a treasure of Milwaukee. So he wanted to keep it what? in Milwaukee. He didn't want to. Yeah. Hey, come on, man. The like, I'm not, not going to give it to the Chicago Yakuza. Yeah. The Milwaukee Yakuza gets it. <laughs> no, he decided to keep it. But it's got to stay it. in town. He's like, I stole it. And I want it. becomes like the, I told well, you, it's an obsession. It? It's like the My Precious. He's like, I'm not going to give it up. He wants to kiss it the way that Stradivarius. <laughs> he wanted to kiss it where Stradivarius kisses. kissed it. Mm-hmm. So the DA offers him his deal. And he goes and he says, I'll tell the police where it is. 
takes them three days to get him to agree. They interrogate him for three days. Even though he keeps agreeing, he will not tell them where the stratum <laughs> is. He's like, yeah, I'll totally tell you. They're like, tell us. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm totally going to tell no, you. Like, so what's for lunch? What are we doing for lunch, you guys? You know, I'll tell I mean, you after I'm lunch. I'm tell you. They're like, okay. Tell us now. I, yeah. I'm going to tell you. I mean, like, I totally am. I just, do we have a pencil and paper? Not that kind of pencil. <laughs> I see I need a pen. So he's like stretching it out for three days. Can you imagine dealing with that for three days? I would get so frustrated. Yeah, exactly. Well, the DA, the cops, they definitely get frustrated. Finally, on the third day, and I'm not implying that they use violence or anything. And on the third day. (laughs) Yeah, the the confession. (laughs) So the confession comes out and he, he says, okay, I'll take you to the apartment. It's not his apartment. He takes it over to this apartment where he's got the Lipinski stashed. That's where the gal pal lives, I bet. He goes, it's on the second floor, and mm-hmm. then he indicates, he's like, yeah, up there. And it's like a door to the attic. And the cops are like, is this a booby trap? <laughs> so they get one of the SWAT guys to go up there. And then like, just, he gets, like, up. tasered in the face, and there's confetti everywhere. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> so this uh, special, like, they send up a SWAT guy, special investigator, who's trained with art crime, and he's got on, like, the white gloves. And so he goes up into the attic, and he finds a black suitcase. Oh, we got a black suitcase. We got a black suitcase, people. And they're, like, all excited. And then and he goes over and he opens the black suitcase and inside the black suitcase is a bundle. Tupperware. The size of Tupperware. <laughs> and inside of this bundle is a blue baby blanket. And inside the blue baby <laughs> blanket <laughs> is the Lipinski. Yay! I was so worried there's going to be something else in yeah. there. The 1715 Stradivarius was unharmed and Chief Flynn told the local news, it was handled like a baby, except we didn't powder it. <laughs> he thought of that line. I'm telling you, everybody's working on the screenplay together. He was together. cooking that line in his head, and because he saw the baby blanket, yeah, and he was like, you know, with my 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 genius creative talent, I immediately went to that. And he, <laughs> he flipped, he workshopped it in his He's head. Like, as a, a former dad, or you know, I guess I still am a dad. <laughs> <laughs> So at the time of their arrests, Law, 42, Universal Knowledge of Law, 36, mm-hmm. both popped. A law actually gets charged with extra stuff because of the marijuana that the cops found. So he also gets busted for not just helping to steal the Lipinski, but also for small-time pot dealer. Mm-hmm. And he gets sentenced to three and a half years in prison. Oh, yep. well. The woman who was the getaway driver of the Scooby-Doo-looking minivan. Yeah, what's her story? So she gets charged with nothing. She does not get charged for the robbery. Turns out she's Salah's wife. So they assume that she was just kind of dragged into... Punishment enough. (laughs) (laughs) She's got to put up with this dude. (laughs) They're like, ma'am, you've suffered enough. (laughs) Go, be free. Salah Saladin, he goes through a series of lawyers, if you can believe it, on his way to his trial. He's apparently a nightmare client. I'm uh, surprised he's not doing pro se. Well, no, yeah, exactly. He, he, I'm surprised, too. He but instead, reeks of it. He decides to give a vice interview in the middle of his job. Oh, dear. Which totally implicates him. <laughs> he oh, dear. He confesses in print, essentially. His lawyer must so, have loved So, yeah, his that. chances of justice were like zero after that. And so he gets convicted of robbery and sentenced to seven years in prison. In court, Salah actually explains why he wanted to steal the Lipinski and what it felt like for him to actually hold it in that moment after all those years of him dreaming of holding the Lipinski. Yeah. Right? So Salah tells the court, I got the violin in my hand, almost as if it were handed to me. And I pressed that button and my life changed at that moment, just as it probably did for him. Now, when he says the button, that's the taser. When he says him, that's Frank Allman. So, yeah. So 
the button, and then confetti everywhere. <laughs> exactly. And then Salah uh, went on. He's like, I wanted to buy as many boarded up properties that I could have bought to perhaps rehabilitate those homes and create some jobs for people. So he claims that he wanted to do some like like you know neighborhood renovation based on the, <laughs> the settling the Lipinski to the Chinese uh, organized crime gang down in Chicago. That was his plan. Oh, was it Chinese organized crime? I misspoke. Well, no, actually, no. It could have been Asian. I, I mean, they, he said Asian. I okay. just said Chinese because last I time you said Yakuza, he... and I didn't want to pin it on any one group. <laughs> Unlike me, I don't think he knew any Asian crime syndicate. I don't think he did either. I think maybe he spoke with a fellow on the subway once. And he, I think he'd watched some movies. Oh yeah, a couple. <laughs> he's thinking about like I don't know, Rush Hour Two or some stuff. And like and his like, hero narrative of I'm, you know, I'm going to sell it and I'm going to buy all these. It's yeah, like, boarded up buildings and it's like they're gonna close the community center unless we steal this Stradivarius. <laughs> yeah, we need to put on a show. That's not enough money. We need to steal a Strat. And then it's been saved, and all the kids have a place to go after yeah. school. We saved the orphanage. <laughs> <laughs> so Judge Maroney presides over the trial when uh, my man Salah Saladin tried to go on like his whole like I'm actually a noble criminal. The judge is like, nah, bro. That may sound like a noble thing. It may even sound like some Robin Hood-ish to you, but it's not the way it is. But I say, what if it is? <laughs> <laughs> Wildcat. <laughs> okay, but anyway, on all honesty, at least sometimes it could be that way, right? Like yeah, you totally could get could. some Robin Hood stuff going on in the world. If he had maybe the not tase, this time. Tase the guy, you know. You can't hurt people if you're going to do the Robin Hood thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But mostly. like, you like, know, yeah. I support him. Yeah, the tasing is really, I mean, so you would have been cool with if he just ran up and like grabbed his, swiped Zoinks. it off his shoulder and like he didn't get hurt. And he's like, yeah, my, he, hey, he my, runs up all football guys. Todd, style. Todd, he got the violin. Zoinks. And then he runs away <laughs> all scattering across. And you're like, well, easy Crazy come, legs easy go. Going in every and, direction. You know, if someone's rich enough to have a five million Stradivarius, five million dollars Stradivarius. Well, he's not rich. He's doing. You know, his buddy's driving a Chevy because Bolt. These are not. It's not like, his. Uh, exactly. He's borrowing. Well, he there just, are a lot of violins rich with in experience. the world. There are a lot of violins in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. There's only six hundred and fifty of the Stradivarius. Well, I'm talking about other kinds. No, six hundred and fifty. <laughs> Well, it's been quite an adventure it with has. my man Salah Saladin and Universal Knowledge Allah, which, you know, that's Mr. Allah if you're nasty or <laughs> if you're the law. Uh, now, I know it was a horrible nine days for Frank Almond, as you've pointed out, and it was a rough go, him being separated, but it's been a hilarious hour for me. Oh, I know. And I'm sorry for your troubles, Mr. Almond, but it's... And your brother. Well, he's fine, though. He got it back. Yeah, exactly. And it Every, wasn't covered in shoe polish. No harm, no fouls. Yeah, it just smelled <laughs> like Apple Jacks. <laughs> so what do you say is our ridiculous takeaway here? I say if you are going to go full tilt on making yourself into an international art thief, mm-hmm. you have to do it the way that this guy did, of just all the embellishments <laughs> and the grandiose, you know... There's a lot of grandiosity going on oh, yeah. here. Because yeah, we've got him himself. thinking, oh, if you've heard of me, that's why you came for me, because <laughs> everyone knows I'm this crazy art thief. He just he just picked up a statue and walked out of a place. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what made him a high-end art thief. But then you also have Almond with this, like, thinking, oh, these fans. Get away, please. <laughs> no press, no paparazzi. No, I'm just trying to get to Denny's. Please, please. Stop. <laughs> I couldn't possibly. Not again. I love when it. When will this end? I love all of them, and I, I want everything good to happen to all of them. <laughs> 
I like that about you. I agree with you that my favorite moment is the, but my reputation as a high-end art thief, that's why you've come. I correct when he's all excited when the cops show up at his door. But I think, you know, it's better than that. Hmm. Amateur barber and Tupperware salesman. Tupperware consultant, please. Is the best job title description. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's that's what I'm going to do on my taxes from now on. With my, What's your occupation? Tupperware consultant. Amateur barber. The thing Abalone that diver. I also like about how Sala being like all like into his reputation, he knew he had to get caught. He was always a future failed criminal because that's the only way that his <laughs> reputation would get known. Because how many high-end art thieves do we know about who haven't been caught? And he wanted to be Zero. known. So he was always planning for the moment he would yeah. get busted. That's yeah. why he made the notebook. He's like, look, here it is. It's all there organized. It but then he can spend his time in, in prison writing up the the memoir and the screenplay. Good point. Yeah. Very good point. I think he gets out. Uninterrupted. Right around now. Seven years. Well, let's wait. Let's Let's see. Well, as we uh, always say around here, crime is ridiculous. <laughs> so we always say Wait, we here, never say that. We always say, I love crime. <laughs> so if we're talking about you telling your story, it means you've probably done something wrong in your criminal plan and things got ridiculous. So try not to have us know your name. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I'm Elizabeth Dutton. Uh, I could be Zaren Burnett. Yeah, try it on. See how it fits. Feels good. You can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. You got a tip for us about a ridiculous crime you'd like to hear about? It can turn into a story just like this one. Want to confess to a ridiculous crime? Please do. Email us at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Well, thank you. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by high-end sound thief Dave Kustin. Research is by special investigator from the Facts Crime team, Marissa Brown. The theme song is by Thomas Cosmic Lee and Travis Universal Love Dutton. Executive producers are Ben The Bolin and The Noel Brown. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts shows. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 
That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specific designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.